I'm Charlie Melcher, founder and director of the Future of Storytelling. Welcome back to the FOSS podcast. My guest on today's episode is my good friend, Brent Bushnell. Brent is the chairman and co-founder of Two-Bit Circus, an experiential entertainment company based in LA. Alongside offering their creative services to some of the world's biggest brands, Two-Bit Circus is currently building a network of micro amusement parks featuring indie arcade games, escape rooms, free-roaming virtual reality, robot bartenders, and much, much more. What I love about Brent is his childlike enthusiasm about everything interactive and participatory. He's the only person I know who's more excited about this stuff than I am. And I should add, he's not just more enthusiastic. He's probably the only person in the world to hold triple degrees in electric engineering, computer science, and clowning. Brent's life work is creating exciting experiences that push the limits of storytelling and technology to bring people together in meaningful ways. I had a ton of fun talking with Brent and I hope you'll enjoy our conversation. Brent Bushnell, I am so delighted and excited to have you on the Future of Storytelling podcast. Welcome. Charlie, thank you so much for having me. I, you know you know what a super fan I am of, of you and everything you do. It's a real honor to be here. Uh, I am the super fan. I am so excited that your creation, 2-Bit Circus, is opening again. Oh my God, man. <sighs> 13 months, almost to the day uh, we were closed. And um, that was really hard. It was, it was, a, this was, a, that was the most existential crisis 2-Bit Circus ever gone through. It was a really pain and suffering. Uh, but, you know, it also forced us to do a ton of innovation. We did not stop making stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been really fun even to open up in the sort of limping mode we're allowed to now. Uh, it just feels great. Okay, so let's let's go back. First of all, just tell the listener what 2-Bit Circus is. We're a big band of nerds. We've been making interactive entertainment for almost a decade. Uh, we love live experience, new technology. A couple of years ago, 2018, we finally put all that stuff in one place, uh, what we call a micro amusement park. Uh, it's a 40,000 square foot interactive entertainment complex in the middle of downtown Los Angeles. We just made up the term a micro amusement park. Uh, it's got you know a carnival midway, whole high-tech carnival midway, a, a modern arcade, a virtual reality arena, a 100-seat interactive game show theater, and then a full bar and restaurant, and even a robot bartender. Mm, and it is beautiful. I have been there. I was considering myself one of the lucky ones to get in before COVID hit. And it's it, just a dream. Like you could spend, literally, you could spend days in there and, and not do it all and have so much fun doing it. You know, what you saw wasn't even finished. We still have a lot of extra space. What we built down here is a prototype to be able to replicate across the country. Uh, you know, it is not accidentally one floor of a department store. And so as Macy's and Sears and Toys R Us and all that stuff goes away, they leave this gaping hole in real estate portfolios. Um, and, and, you know, there's few entertainment things that can go to, in every city in the country. Uh, and, and the reason for that is, is you need locals to be able to come back over and over again. And so when you say you couldn't do it all the first time or the second time, that's really part of our design. We want it to be infinite, frankly, you know, like a movie theater, being able to have lots of different content all the time to be able to have people come back and enjoy themselves you know, over and over again. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you to go back even farther, 
right? Which is you come to this um, naturally. Like I, I, you know how they, people say, like it's in your blood. Like it is so in your blood. I had a terrible childhood, <laughs> really terrible childhood. Yeah, no. Uh, no, you know my uh, my dad's a big nerd. He founded Atari, and then uh, you know out of Atari grew Chuck E. Cheese, uh, which literally came out of Atari Labs. It was a, a way for them to you know kind of get direct to consumer with their games. You know they were selling all these games to third party operators. You know an arcade game, and you know they'd sell the arcade game for a couple grand, and over the life of the arcade game, it'd make 40 grand. You'd have to be a, a, an accounting whiz to figure out that if they could, you know, go direct to the consumer with those games, that, that you know, they, they, had, they had a lot more money to make. So, so uh, that was where Chuck E. Cheese came from. You know, I mean, my wife was always joking with me. That, you know, I went to more Chuck E. Cheese's for my birthday as a kid, and you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I just grew up in, in this space. Nolan Bushnell is like the father of, of video games. I mean, that we all played his games, and, and you know what, Charlie, he hasn't stopped. We, uh, you know, to this day, go go and, and explore new games and interactive that's out there. He's in the middle of building like a glamping interactive entertainment experience. Um, it's really he's he's seventy six and you know has the the mind of a uh, you know I don't know twelve twelve year old and a forty year old and a, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So great. Um, so okay. So that was that was your um, your gifted childhood to have that as your dad's uh, and your life. Um, and then you you had a little stint like being a clown, didn't you? Like yep, you, I'm a I'm a <laughs> you, you talk. <laughs> I, I hear you talk about real estate and and you know all business and returns and all that. And you somebody could think you'd gone to business school, but you went to clown school. So I ended up going to UCLA for computer science and electrical engineering. But then uh, you know just have always been obsessed with circus and and car. Carnival, and uh, there is an actual clown school in Los Angeles, the clown school, <laughs> and it is so much fun. You know, clowning gets such, uh, clowning gets a real bad rap in, in the U.S., but it literally is sort of the backbone of comedy and, and is, you know, a, a, has roots all the way back to jesters and, you know, I mean, it's hundreds years old tradition and, uh, uh, you know, it has some overlaps with Buddhism and a lot of its beliefs, you know, the, they call it a soft mind, you know, in, in clowning and you want to have a beginner's mind, you know, and, and how can you reflect back on the world, the simplest thing about humanity, make it big, you know, and make it exaggerated to sort of, so that people can sort of see the ridiculousness in it. Now let's talk about the impetus for starting 2-Bit Circus as a micro amusement park. So, you know, when my co-founder Eric Gradman and I first met, uh, we were making interactive art for fun. Stuff we could take to our friends' parties, rooms of laser beams, walls of buttons, you know, just like whatever we could smash new technology with, with some kind of entertainment. But always like physicality, right? We didn't want it to just be on your phone and little. We wanted it to involve your whole body. And so this sort of launched us as this kind of like ragtag high-tech circus that could like bring this interactive stuff to entertain, you know, Fortune 500 and, and uh, Intel was the first one who was like, hey, we thanks for doing our event. We'd love you to come back and do CES, but we want Intel inside. Like, here's our new tech. Make interactive entertainment using our stuff. Uh, and so we did that for years and, 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 you know, lots of this kind of consulting for big brands to bring their stuff to live experience. Traveling escape room for Warner Brothers. We launched virtual reality for Samsung at the Olympics and the Super Bowl. Uh, built a cloud that rains tequila <laughs> uh, for the Mexican Board of Tourism. They literally won a Cannes Lion Award. I was like, oh my God, I can't... 
you know. So so we did all this kind of fun stuff, but the, but always had this like panging sort of nagging feeling like, gosh, we just built this whole thing and it was set up for a weekend and now it's gone. It's in a it's in a garage somewhere. It's in a warehouse. And and that felt like really, you know, terrible. Uh, and so. Well, okay, but wait a minute. Honestly, yeah. you brought the tequila rain machine out regularly, right? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. You know what? This was, that was actually a real threshold moment. It was in a warehouse in Germany. And then literally, like, I remember when it, like, we got the email that was like, it's just going to get destroyed. You know? And we were like, oh, you, that, not again. Set that up at you home. Set that up, yeah, clearly there had to have been a better option, you know? And so the first thing we said, because we didn't have, you know, the money to, to do a park, we said, well, let's do our own event. And so we started with a traveling carnival. We didn't have the money to even do a carnival, so we put it on a Kickstarter. And, you know, we just didn't know better. And and we were, we were like, over the next 30 days, had the most punishing run. And this was, was you know, sort of 2013. But, you know, ended up getting just over the line of $100,000, you know. So now all of a sudden we were like, oh my God, we have to deliver on this crazy high-tech carnival. All we've got is 100 grand. That is not enough to do it. And so for the next, like, two years, ended up, you know, raising sponsorship money, got a million and a half dollars in sponsorship, uh, and ended up launching a, a, a huge carnival. I mean, it was 120,000 square feet, so that's about two football fields. Uh, we packed it with interactive entertainment. Uh, and so that was when we landed on, on this. And we'd been based in downtown LA. Uh, there's the arts district, it was really starting to, to you know, grow and become a, a real special place. Found an incredible building, almost half a city block. Um, and uh, we started building and, and opened it in, in late 2018. We had like a solid 18 months before COVID. I mean, going into COVID, we were 25% over where we were the previous year. We, you know, had a ridiculous, you know, industry leading uh, repeat visitor rate. Uh, did huge parties for a, a laundry list of celebrities. I mean, we were on the celebrity bar mitzvah <laughs> circuit, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we had really made it. So it was just hilarious, man. I mean, the we, we there was really something. And, and you know, there's never a good time for a pandemic, but... Uh, you know, we made it through it. So I'm very happy about that. So tell us about where you were headed. Like, I know you had some very ambitious goals and you were very close to realizing those right when the pandemic hit and live entertainment went dead. So we, you know, have been not shy about our, our ambition to, to scale this across the country. You know, what, what a, a huge repeat visitation rate does is enable us to go into not just tourist cities, you know, and tourists attractions can go into Vegas and Orlando and maybe Los Angeles. There's like a few cities in the world that, that can, that have enough tourists to sustain something that where people just need to come once. We're just getting ready to build our, our next site that we're about to announce. Uh, so I'm very pleased with that. Um, and, and during the middle of COVID, we actually built this whole interactive play from home game show, which I have been excited to talk with you about. Cause, cause I, I think that, you know, you and I are constantly trying all the different things that are, that are out there, right? right? When and we I, get together, I, the sparks fly. Like, have you done this? Have you tried that? Yeah. No, I have to. Oh, where, where is dude, it? It's just, I just love it because yeah. you're just like such the oracle. And we and and, and there and there's such a, a Cambrian explosion of immersive, right? Immersive is such a catch-all for everything from a dinner, you know, a, an interesting dinner party to virtual reality. And I think we're starting to get a, a, a category defined in there, which is live-hosted, interactive, video-based shows. 
and and if you saw what what and it's a bit that's a mouthful, but you know, I mean, if I tried to describe to you an escape room, I'd be like, well, it's a physical facility, and you solve puzzles and try to get out, you know. And now, escape room is a great shorthand, and so we're going to need to come up with a shorthand for this video thing. And what we ended up building is this is this live hosted game show. It's an interactive game show, and so uh, together with the live host live streaming, you are playing a game in your browser, trivia, open ended stuff, all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, uh, uh, sorting games, kind of all the mechanics from game shows. But the host is responding right there. Charlie, good job. You know, you're you're number one, you know, and you just became number one. Or or you're chatting with them in the, and, and so that sort of dynamic response, real-time competition that's like HQ trivia times 100, uh, I think is something, you know, is a category that I think is, is getting really exciting. I did want to ask you, because I felt like you were on the cusp of like such a big breakthrough. You're, you were about to raise a ton of money. You were just yep. about to sign leases in cities all over the country. I mean, you were on the cusp of going truly national with your with your brand, and then COVID hit, yeah. and that all kind of evaporated. It was a real lesson because I'd been closing that investment round for uh, you know nine months, six six nine months, basically to close the end of March. <laughs> I mean, I had said in February to our marketing head Andy Levy, who's amazing. I was like, dude this is amazing. You know, like the only thing that could screw this up is some discontinuity, you know? And I was just like, oh, <laughs> like that would happen. You know, yeah. And said even to our, you know, president at the time, Kim Schaefer, I was like, you know, we should just sign those leases. Like we're ready to go. Like we're, we got a timeline. Like we should just do it. You know, we know the money's going to close now. And sure enough, like that could, the thing, something like that could happen at that time. Uh, so we were, yeah, it was, it was brutal. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, hey, we have, it has forced Tubit to figure out, you know, to, to, to lean itself. It has forced us to come up with new ways to entertain. Uh, I really think the hybrid model is part of the future. It, we, we frankly needed a pandemic to figure out virtual. It's always been on our list, but it was never a priority. And it was so freaking hard. We would have given up so much earlier <laughs> if we had no other option, if we had any other option, so, you know? So just describe it so people understand what this hybrid model yeah. is. Yeah. So, so this interactive game show has a live host and that live host is on camera and that camera and, and him ha happen to be on a stage in our parking lot. Multiple cameras on him, multiple cameras on the audience. And he's got a control panel in front of him so he can switch where the camera is. And then people in the audience scan a QR code and on their phone, they've got, they've got all the challenges getting pushed to them. Think of that as like multiple choice trivia, open-ended trivia, sorting games, prices, right style, you know, price mechanics, all that. Now, meanwhile, people from home can tune into a URL and they see that live stream. They see the video of the host. They also get the same challenges, multiple choice trivia, open-ended trivia, whatever. And we're all now playing in sort of the same world. So the first time we ever did this, the person who won happened to be live in the audience. The person that won last night was it remote out out you know like in in Jersey or something you right. know and so <laughs> uh, like like all of a sudden this this uh, you know the hybrid of you could come live and sort of be there in the in the audience just like classic game shows of old you know or you can play it right along with everybody else from the comfort of your home right and, and that's been the promise ever since any of us sat in front of a television watching a game show was like how do I play while this is happening and so we really wanted to create a way where you could give everybody the, even a tiny taste of it even if it wasn't a full thing and in fact, built in the ability to invite someone to come up on Zoom. Charlie, you're you're in the lead. Join us on Zoom. You're going to compete against, you know, you won, you know, congratulations. And so that part, you know, being able to sort of give people that micro seconds of fame, you know, uh, has been a real fun, you know, journey for us. Right, right. That's so great. I mean, over the last years, we've been doing this podcast. We've had a number of people come in to talk about how they were adapting to telling stories and engaging with their with their audience 
virtually. And one of the things that people talked about it being a positive, obviously there were a lot of negatives, particularly for people who are used to doing live performance, but the positive was that they could have access to an audience that was so much greater. You know, they couldn't, the, Catherine Burns from The Moth couldn't get 10,000 people to come into a little, you know, auditorium and, and listen to a live Moth show, but now she could from people all over the world. So you figured out literally how to be able to bring both of the, 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 the intimacy and the sense of uh, being there with other people that's part of live and let an audience around the world in different times, time zones, different locations, be able to participate. And you, you, you nailed it, Charlie. And, and it's really interesting because I think we've seen, I've seen this with a lot of conferences too, where they, they had live and maybe 5,000 people would come live for their conference and listen to the speakers and go to the dinners and all the stuff. And then they were like, okay, we're going to do this one virtually. And they get 15,000, 20,000, right? People who maybe never would have come otherwise. And that the, in the future, it'll be both, you know, we come for the full, you know, and you can imagine this sort of continuum of a Immersion, the, the the super high, most immersive version where the, you get the sights and the sounds and the, and the and the late nights, you know, all the way down to the comfort of your cell phone. <laughs> I mean, one of the things I, I always say is that I love to let each medium do what it does best. And I think what we're going to go into now is a period of really starting to understand. I mean, I, I've talked about that in, in the context of new media coming in and threatening old media. Um, you know, when the when the television came and radio was like, oh, no, radio's dead. Radio's not dead. But radio's had to figure out what was really special about radio to make room for television doing what television could do. We're going to go through some real learnings now, I think. And, I, and any... For sure. Yeah, any insights you have, like for live events that are virtual versus live events that are live or... or yeah. No doubt it is more freaking work <laughs> because at the end of the day, you need to think of them as separate events. They happen to share some of the source elements, source code. They share some of the source you know, material, but the people at home are only getting the home experience. And so you, if you don't think about just their user experience, it's probably going to be terrible for them. The people live that are only there live don't get the virtual one. And so they're going to, you know, it's, it's really on you to do a good job of both. And that's kind of hard because those constraints can be at odds. You know, we've been, we've been thinking we've, it's been sort of a 55 minute show for us uh, in, you know, during all through COVID, but we're thinking, gosh, you know, live, maybe you want it to be kind of 30 minutes with a break in the middle and 30 minutes, but that's not so great for the home audience. And so we're like, oh my gosh, you really have some work to do to accommodate both in their native and, you know, elements. So what are you thinking is the future right now for live entertainment experiences uh, coming out of COVID? You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm such an optimist, so I should almost preface, you know, anything I'm going to say with that. Um, we all saw in the throes of COVID just how much, how important social is to us, right? How much, how wonderful it is. And, you know, I went to a dinner party a couple nights ago. They'd, everybody signed that they'd been vaccinated and, the whole, you know, it was so much front-loaded friction to get to the point where we were 20 people in a room, you know, but it was like amazing, you know, the ability to have sidebar conversations and not have one person on the, you know, in, in the, on the platform and, you know, being able to just, all of the beauties of live was, uh, you know, was just so on display and we were all giddy. And and so I think that we were, we've been reminded of how great that is. And so I, I, I think we're going to see a lot of incredible stuff, you know, coming out. Uh, uh, the things that made it, you know, are, are coming back with a, with a bang. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if you tried to book a hotel almost anywhere right now, but I mean, it is just the, the golden age of travel, you know, is coming. Um, and, and, you know, I think the, on the back of, you know, a cr crazy discontinuities like this, as, as heart-wrenching as, 
you know, the decimation that went through the restaurant scene and, you know, and, and, and a lot of the, the, the industries that were most impacted means that there's a lot of assets out there ready to be repurposed, right? You know, I had, a, I had an interesting call with a mall owner a couple days ago who was like, listen, we will give you space for free with a full built out kitchen, everything, you know, make it a business and then we'll figure it out. You know, that's as an entrepreneur, that's a freaking <laughs> incredible opportunity, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so how many other entrepreneurs are out there right now being like, God, I've always wanted to start my own business. I've always wanted to get into immersive. I've always wanted to do something. You know, the, there's never a better time than right now when, when, when things are, when, when people are coming back and there's a ton of fallow assets looking to be monetized. I remember uh, recently we had Vince Cadlu back on the, on the podcast. He's the uh, co-founder and director of Meow Wolf, and he reminded us that it was out of the Spanish flu that not only did the Roaring Twenties come out of that, where people were so excited to go out and, and have fun, but also the birth of the amusement park was kind of a response from that, that period of having been isolated. And I'm so excited to see what, what's the modern-day amusement park that's part of the reason why we had you on the show, because I think maybe <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yours. But, uh, but you know, what, what's, what's the equivalent of that for, for 2021 and the next 10 years or, or beyond? It's really exciting to think about it and to try to see the examples, find the examples. And as we look at the future of retail, everybody talks about the retail apocalypse. And, and that is far too extreme, right? Retail is going through a huge change. And the change is that it's all going to be stuff that requires your body. Right? You can't order a haircut on Amazon, right? You can't go to a CrossFit class, you know, over the internet. Or I mean, you can through Peloton, but the social side of the 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 community of, of around, you know, something like a, a you know a CrossFit, uh, uh, co-working, you know, co-working is just going to absolutely explode in the in the wake of the collapse of the office space. You know, people still want to be able to work together, but at least for two bit, we're going to get together two days a week, you know, and it's going to be for the the real important FaceTime, creative brainstorming stuff where we want to be in the same space. But that doesn't need to be at an office. That could be freaking at an amusement park. <laughs> you know, or, that is you know, your office. Or, that is our office. Right? Yeah, that's a good point. We're a bad case. You know, but but so I think uh, you, know, you think about the future retail. It's uh, uh, health, wellness, and beauty, right? Below dry bar, all that stuff. Food and beverage, obviously, right? You might be able to make a burger at home, but you still go out when you don't want to clean up after your friends. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, entertainment. And, and, and so I think all those things... Um, for me, make me, you know, those, those are going to be things that people have to do already. And then they'll see that just like the train station. Hey, there's all this other entertainment too. Here's the things that we can, you know, we can hang out together. Yeah. I mean, I certainly think a lot about it of, of what am I willing to get on a plane for nowadays versus what would I want to do virtually? And obviously there's so many more options now that I would want to do virtually. <laughs> um, it's also a little bit of the idea behind this thing we started at FOSS called the FOSS Explorers Club, which was, could we do some virtual cultural exploration uh, without having to go there and give people access in a way that they wouldn't even get if they could go there? Yeah, yeah. And, you, and Charlie, you guys nailed it. I mean, it really has been, it's really felt like a community, even though we've not met any of these people in person, it's you have crafted something very magical. And, and it, felt, it feels like we're on an adventure together. And, and here's the one thing, though, that I feel like I miss with the virtual meetings or, or sort of virtual travel, and that is the sense of serendipity. 
the surprise, the the unexpected disruption, the the thing. I don't. I I haven't thought about it, but I, I'm not running around New York for meetings anymore. So I'm not seeing things on the sides of buses or in in the windows of stores or on taxis or bumping into somebody that I that I vaguely knew from high school. Or you know, there's a lot of that that's lost, and I I do particularly. F- I wonder what your thoughts on this. Brent, because you're somebody who uh, I know is always open to serendipity, you know, like lives for some good surprise and delight. <laughs> I was walking, my wife and I were walking home from dinner a couple nights ago, and I just, and I turned us down this like back alley, you know, because it was a road we hadn't taken before. And she was like, really? We're going to get novel experience here, <laughs> you know, down this back alley. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a really interesting point, Charlie. And I think that the, for me, all of us, creative industry and everybody else, need to make a practice of novelty, you know, and and knowing that, knowing that we're not going to get it as much in the sort of happenstance of work or the things that take us out, really go out of your way to expose yourself to weird and different and new. Mm-hmm. I really think about this in the role of inspiration for creative people. Like, I think sometimes we undervalue the need for that stream of new inspiration, of new things, of, of being able to then ultimately take those things and make connections and apply them in a, in a wholly new position or place. And I'm wondering if that's going to become a bigger part of the experience for entertainment, for immersive entertainment. I mean, I, I think about the thrill of being in a, in a punch drunk performance uh, or, or in a LARP and getting to play a role that's completely different than the one I'm using. The, than the body I inhabit. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, LARPing, you know, and, and immersive immersive theater is sort of watered down LARPing, you know? The super nerds have been LARPing for years, you know, and, and, the, and the accessible version we call immersive theater, <laughs> you know? Uh, but, like, that is a, a, you know, is a whole format that I think is interesting. And even the whole category of job simulators, you know? Imagine that you go to work nine to five and you're working, 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 and then you go home and you get on a video game and you start playing job simulators games that are other people's jobs, you know, make, you know, Overcooked is an entire, you know, kitchen game, you know, I mean, I always thought that was just amazing. There's, there's a, there's an Airbnb in Scotland. Did you, you, you I was going to just say this, the, <laughs> oh the bookstore, God. right? The bookstore. The bookstore. <laughs> you stay there and you get to run the freaking bookstore. Yeah. I mean, is that just that's magical? Perfect. You know, and for my wife, that's a dream, you know, to yeah. stay in the bookstore. She loves books, to be able to be there for a day. And it's not like yeah. a, a year of running a bookstore or a decade of running a bookstore. A you weekend, get for yeah. one night, yeah. a weekend one, one night, to enjoy yeah. running a bookstore. Yeah. I mean, I just think that's like so awesome. It's so awesome. Um, I mean, I, I also think that might be the future of travel. I mean, what what totally. we want from a break from our own life is to be in somebody else's that's uh, that we romanticize. Or, or dream yeah. of, yeah. You know, and I think this is so one of the opportunities for immersive is to find out, you know, is there's this like dynamic boundary setting where my limits are different than your limits and, and the best immersive figures out where each of our line is and pushes us right to it and no further. <laughs> you know, because the, you know, great art gets you right to the line, but maybe not, you know, not over it. I also think that we're going to see a new form of immersive travel that, lets you enter into the uh, fictional worlds of your favorite stories. 
Without question, and and I think we're going to see it first with hotels, right? A lot of hotel. You got you've got of course the incredible Star Wars hotel coming. Cartoon Network has got a hotel that you know even the pop ups, the Taco Bell freaking hotel in Palm Springs that got I don't know how many squillions of media impressions, but it was ridiculous, you know, and it was literally Taco Bell takeover of a hotel. <laughs> but I I do think that like you know, and I've even seen for myself hanging out with friends. You, you a dinner is not long enough. Two hours, you know. I want uh, you know a weekend with people, and and so what's the what's the immersive experience that's that you know that takes on, takes me on a you know where's where's adult camp and uh, uh, you know things that are gonna that uh, you know I think there's real opportunity in that space. A very wise mentor in my life said to me when I was planning my fiftieth birthday, which is you know hard to believe, but uh, I was planning my fiftieth birthday, and she said, "Invest in memories." You know, I was trying to decide, should I throw a big party or should I take my wife and we'll go around the world or should what? And and so I really stepped back to think about what would I most appreciate and remember, you know, cherish as a memory. And the answer I came up with was I would love to have real quality time with a group of people that are good friends, you know, dear friends. And so that's what I built. I took 30 people away for three days. And we just had a whole set of fun activities, and we we did sledding, and we did curling. It was it it was winter time, you know. My birthday's in in the winter, and and we just had three amazing days with people who normally I'm lucky if I get a dinner, and here we got real quality time to hang out, and that I'll always treasure that. And so I've been kind of actually building on that idea over and over in my life. Now we did the same for our wedding anniversary. and and I think actually a whole uh, instinct with false travel what grew out of those experiences. Yeah, well, you know, because I think there's this thing, you know, humans, we've got a lot of patterns, you know, and and when you see someone for the first time you haven't seen in a while, you're going to catch up and it's going to take a certain amount of time for me to hear about what's been going on in your life and for you to hear about what's going on in my life. And you can think of that, those as like interest payments on all the time we didn't spend together before. You know, if, 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 when do we get, to, you know, and oftentimes a dinner is only interest. You don't get any new principal time, you know. <laughs> you sure you didn't go <laughs> and, to and, business school? <laughs> <laughs> and so I think only through, you know, waking up and having breakfast and then, you know, the sort of interstitial time, you know, do you really start to th- get to hear about how people think and what they believe in and, you know, and all the stuff that really is real closeness, you know, and longer, you know, longer experiences are, 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 are coming. So I, I think that's a beautiful place for us to end up, which is, uh, with that message of coming out of COVID with the huge importance of us investing in relationships, right? To, to invest in the people you care about and uh, the people you want to spend time with and get past the principle and get into building, you know, real equity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Invest Love in it. people. Three <laughs> invest in people. Very, really, you know, that's beautiful. I love so you, fun. brother. This was really fun. Ditto. Yeah. Thank you, Charlie. Really appreciate this. Uh, can I show you one last fun, fun little thing? Please. Uh, okay. So, so we have this thing at the, at the at the park called the meta game, and the meta game is a series of clues and weird stuff that's you know sort of all over. And the thing we're just about to put on our phone system is you'll call and you'll say, "Hi, this is Two Bit Circus. Press one for hours and directions. Press two for whatever, or press five. And I hopefully you can hear this. It's circus. Incorporated. If you know your party's extension. Hello? Is someone there? Hello? Oh gosh! Is someone there? I'm Arthur. 
artificial intelligence and I don't have ears. So if you're there, press four three seven three. If you can. Okay, so I won't go. I won't go further than that. Well, but, uh, <laughs> uh, that is the incredible Amber Justman, uh, theater super theater nerd and wonderful. Uh, but this this is the beginning of an of an experience that starts in our phone tree and then leads all over. And so we're just getting ready to launch that. And and I, I I've been so obsessing over it. I just had to show you. Oh, so fun! <laughs> so that will be a immersive experience that plays through Two Bit or all through LA or. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to go down that rabbit hole to find out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so fun. Can't no play. rabbit hole is very fun with a map. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, wherever the rabbit hole is, I'm following you. Let's go. <laughs> hey, thanks, Charlie. Well, hey, man, I can't wait to see you again in person. Uh, uh, and so appreciate this time with you right now. Thanks again. It's always fun nerding out with Brent Bushnell. If you'd like to learn more about what Brent's cooking up at 2-Bit Circus, you can do so by visiting this episode's page on the Future of Storytelling website, www.fost.org, or by following the link in the episode's description. Thanks for tuning in to the Future of Storytelling podcast, produced in collaboration with our talented production partner, Charts and Leisure. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our show and give us a great rating or review. Every single one helps. I hope you join us again in a couple of weeks for another deep dive into the world of storytelling. Until then, please be safe, stay strong, and story on. Thank you.